0: Explore Oregon Podcast is brought to you by the Statesman Journal, newspaper of Salem and the state capital since 1851. I'm your host Zach Ness, and in each episode, producer David Davis and I highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. In this edition, we're traveling to one of the world's clearest lakes and visiting its unique and hidden campsites. But first, here's some guitar music to get us rolling. All right, David. So in this edition, we are going to talk about visiting Waldo Lake, which is definitely on the short list of Oregon's most beloved bodies of water. And if you limit that to the places that are primarily about paddling and non-motorized recreation that, you know, aren't about fishing and motorboating, I think it probably vaults right to the top.
1: Yeah, so you're probably asking yourself, where's Waldo? (laughs) Well, it's kind of known as one of the shimmering jewels of the Cascades. It's been a favorite destination for generations of Oregon families, and it's really not hard to see why. It offers a ton of stuff to do, campgrounds, mountain biking, hiking, and swimming, all against the background of one of the state's most scenic lakes. And really, one of the, the big draws is the clarity of the lake, which really cannot be overstated. You can see 150 feet deep on a clear day.
0: Yeah, it's it's really incredible. It's actually more clear than Crater Lake in some ways. Like, you can see farther down, and that's pretty wild because Crater Lake is kind of universally known as, like, the clear lake of the United States, so the fact that Waldo kind of beats it in some ways is pretty wild. And I mean, I the way I would describe it, having paddled there a number of times now, is that it's basically like paddling in a pool of liquid glass because, you know, the color is this incredible rich blue and like when you're in your boat, you can see your shadow on the bottom of the lake. Even when it's really deep, it's kind of startling to like look down and see your shadow 50, 100 feet below. It's wild. Other than the color, the thing that sticks out to me about Waldo is that it's huge. It's the second largest freshwater lake in Oregon. 21 miles of shoreline but it's surrounded by wilderness and a real lack of development and you can just kind of disappear into the silence there in a way I don't think you can in other lakes in the state like Oregon doesn't have titanic you know great lakes necessarily a lot of its famous mountain lakes are fairly small but this one is just it just brings all the awesome things of a cascade lake together.
1: Okay, so we could talk for on and on and on about kind of the beauty of Waldo Lake. But we're really here to highlight a a sort of specific style of camping. What are the details on this?
0: Yeah, so Waldo Lake has three developed campgrounds. They're great. You know, you're able to do the classic Forest Service style camping there. But what you're also able to do and what we kind of want to highlight here is that you're able to load up your canoe or kayak and go camping at around 50 dispersed campsites that are sort of hidden around the shoreline of Waldo Lake. And the upside is that you get to camp at some really cool places. Like there are sites near like sand and rock beaches, they're on high points above the lake. It provides this kind of choose your own adventure style of trip. Uh, the downside is that there's no bathrooms or trash cans or running water, so it's kind of like backpacking except over the water. Now, other lakes in Oregon do allow you to do this you know and dispersed camping itself is allowed on most national forest lands but what makes waldo different is again it's just so large that there are just a million little different coves and inlets where you can go and disappear and it's just there's other lakes that just aren't nearly as interesting or small it's like the full package here at waldo
1: all right let's go ahead and talk about how you get started There's a few things to know in advance, you know, just before showing up with your canoe and tossing a bunch of crap in there and (laughs) heading on out, right? Yeah, I mean, you could do that and
0: probably be okay. But, yeah, I mean, I'd recommend knowing a few things beforehand. And I'm going to start with a caveat that every story about Waldo, like, mentions, and that is that the mosquitoes are notoriously awful here in June, in July, and in early August. I mean, like, biblical plague bad, like, they'll pick you up drop you in the lake. Like if you look at them funny, like the mosquitoes are vicious. So the season at Waldo Lake is weirdly short and it really just focuses on late August, September, maybe into October, but you're kind of tempting snow at that point. So the trick is, you know, you need the nights to be cool enough to kill the mosquitoes, but you want the day to be warm enough that, you know, you can actually like, make me go swimming and enjoy yourself.
1: So just to rule out spring real quick, you're probably, you would run into snow.
0: Yeah, it's, the lake is at 5,400 feet, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, it's a classic mountain lake, but yeah, I mean, you're risking, like, really having a terrible time if you go there in, like, the 4th of July or something.
1: So again, it's a late summer and early fall destination. What about picking your boat? This isn't like dropping a large motorboat into Detroit, right? What are most people using to get out to these campsites?
0: So one thing that makes Waldo stick out is that, yeah, it has the ban on the big motorboats. So you can have an electric motor that runs up to 10 miles per hour. I think that's mostly just for the sailboats uh, that you'll commonly find out there. So for this style of camping, it's almost entirely canoes and kayaks maybe a stand-up paddleboard thrown in. But you want to make sure you can cover some ground because, like I said before, huge lake. It's, you know, if you paddle across the lake from the east to the west shoreline, it's two to three miles.
1: And that's on the narrow side.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's a big lake. The shoreline's 21 miles total. So you have to explore a big space, especially like, you know, if it's a weekend, some of these sites might be taken. You might be out there paddling for a while, so you want a good craft and having experience is is helpful. It's not a great beginner spot. It's also worth noting, wind is a major factor. Waldo is known for swamping canoes with like big white cap waves. You know, when some of the storms roll through, it, it'll tip over kayakers. So I would definitely check the weather beforehand. Uh, I just did a dispersed camping trip out there. I canceled my trip twice because, I mean, we're talking 25 mile per hour winds like that will regularly come up.
1: All right. So you've got your canoe or your kayak. You're loaded up with camping gear. You're ready to do this. What's next? Where would you go to get started?
0: So all three campgrounds have boat ramps. And so they're the main access points. Cost $5 per night to park there. So factor that in. And before I talk about what to go, I should mention the places that you can't go. Because while this does allow you to choose your own adventure, there are some rules that govern this type of camping to make sure people don't destroy the lakeshore. So the big one is that you're not allowed to camp on the islands. Now this hasn't always been true, but it is now. And that's tough because the islands are really cool. It's like the first place you would want to camp, but can't do it. You also can't camp on the sand of the beaches specifically. So you have to put your tent 100 feet from the water up into, like, what's already an established campsite where there's bare ground. Basically, they don't want you to go in there, cut down trees, camp on the vegetation. There's already plenty of these dispersed campsites, and you should be able to find them. Now, this is going to sound restrictive. It's actually not, because plenty of sites out there. You should be able to get it done. Uh, The other thing is just leave no trace. I mean, this is a cool experience. For the love of God, people don't screw it up.
1: And again, there's some more details in a story that Zach just published, Uh, on the trip at statesmanjournal.com.
0: One of the reasons I wrote that, by the way, is that when you read about this experience, it's like you'll find head fakes to it in stories and stuff, but there isn't something that specifically like lays out all the rules, all the details. And so that's what I tried to do with the story that is on statesmanjournal.com.
1: All right. So Waldo Lake is a giant place. Like you said, are there any maps or guides to finding these campsites? So
0: it's, it's funny. I mean, the forest service kind of goes out of their way to be coy about the dispersed sites. Like, they say they're out there, but there's no map with, like, little dots showing you where the campsites are. You have to go find them. Like, you'll you'll call, and they'll just be kind of like, yeah, they're out there. Um, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can't reserve them. You know, they're first come, first serve. So just, you know, I can kind of give you a little bit of a breakdown just based on talking to people that know the area really well, paddling it myself, so to start off, the North Shore has the burn scar from a wildfire in 1996. It's still very visible. It's kind of nice. You can navigate around it because it's always on the north side of the lake. There's a lot of islands up there, so there's limited camping opportunity because you can't camp in the burn area, can't camp on the islands. So the north area, better for day use. I don't know the south end as well, but it's supposedly shallower, has a little marshier, less sites, not as great camping. So I think it's fair to say that the long western and eastern shores are the best for finding dispersed camping.
1: Are there any major differences you'll find between the east and the west shore?
0: Yeah, I mean, they're, they're subtle, but there definitely are differences. So to start out, I mean, the east side has all three campgrounds, the major access points. So you're just by nature going to find more folks out there. It also has more of the really iconic white sand beaches there. And when people think of Waldo Lake and why they love it so much, it's often these sand beaches because with the clear water and the sand there, like it feels sort of like the Bahamas or it looks like the Bahamas. It's really... Tucked away
1: in the Cascades.
0: Yeah. I mean, and then you you know dive in to go swimming and you're like, oh, yeah, no, not the Bahamas. <laughs> So I came across more than like, there's, there's a ton of big sand beaches, and then there's a couple of smaller ones, and there are dispersed campsites near some of those. I guess I'd say overall, the East Shore is a little bit more family-friendly, a little bit more people, stuff like that.
1: So you would set out from... Established boat ramp Mm -hmm. and then either head south or north along the shore. Yep, basically. And it's closer
0: too. Like you can get to those places quite a bit quicker. Yeah.
1: So what about the west side?
0: Yeah, the west side, just by nature, is going to be a little bit more remote. You got to paddle again, you know, two to three miles to get across. So that cuts down the people right there. There's also just a a greater diversity of the shoreline. There's just more points, more coves, more nooks to explore. Like you, you can paddle in a long ways and then come out a long ways in a way you kind of don't on the east shore. There aren't the same number of sandy beaches either, but there are these kind of interesting pumice rock beaches. And for me, the western shore was more interesting to explore. That's where I ended up camping uh, recently. I would say it's a little tougher to identify the campsites, though. You have to get in pretty close to find out where they are.
1: Yeah. So the trees come right down to the shoreline. Yeah. Can you spot like the campsites from the water or what? Not
0: Really? I mean, maybe people who know the lake really well, and there are generations of families that have been going there for years, but for first timers, it's kind of tough. Like, the forest just sort of comes down to the lake, to the lake shore. It's rocky around there, and you just sort of have to get in really, really close to sort of figure it out. Like, the place I stayed at, I was looking at something else. There wasn't a campsite there, and then I sort of looked across the bay at this point and saw a trail going up into the forest, and that's how I identified it as the campsite. The only other places that I really saw were like, cause there was tents already there. I'm not gonna say it's like super hard. If you put your time in, you got a good setup and stuff, you'll find the sites, but it's also not a walk in the park. There's not big
1: signs saying, you know, campsite here. Yeah. So what's an overnight like? Is it good for stargazing? How's the exposure to wind?
0: Well, if you're going, you know, late August, September, you're getting some cool nights. Um, so, so dress for that. I brought a ton of layers. A lot of the campsites have a fire ring there. And so you're allowed to have, you know, a little campfire at nights. You're allowed to gather some downed firewood. Don't cut down trees. Um, great sunsets at night. Really, really epic sun sunsets. I had an incredible one that all the clouds that came across just turned like bright pink. You could see the moon rising. It was really a cool experience and I think Waldo's pretty famous for that. It's so big that, you know, it allows some birth for, for sunsets. The stars are probably nice that, at, at night. I think I've heard that they are. Uh, it was pretty cloudy on my trip, so I didn't get to experience that, but I've, I've heard it's cool. And it's just, man, it's just a cool experience. The silence is, you know, deafening out there. There's just you know, the lack of motorboats, the lack of anything nearby. It's just, it's really quiet.
1: So once you're set up with a camping spot, what else do you recommend doing?
0: Well, I brought my snorkel setup, and that was a lot of fun because, you know, in that Bahamas sort of theme, the water is so clear that you're basically swimming in a swimming pool minus the chlorine. And it's amazing how deep you can see down. And this is going to sound kind of lame. Like, I don't know why this is so cool, but one of the coolest moments I had there was coming to a log, sticking above the surface, just a standard like deadhead log. But then I like swam up to it and looked down and you can see this like 50 to 75 foot tree just like jutting all the way to the bottom. Now in any other lake, like it just disappears, but you can see it and it looks like this bizarre, like the world's largest like tent pole. And I don't know why. It's just, it's really interesting. You see stuff that you wouldn't normally see in other lakes.
1: So, Mr. Wizard, what makes the uh, the lake so blue and clear?
0: I think most people know that it comes from this amazingly clear lake. You have this super pure water that's only really fed by rain and snowmelt. Like, there's no creek flowing in there. There's very little sediments in the lake. So, yeah, clear water, kind of very similar into the way that Crater Lake is clear.
1: Which is actually only about 50 miles south of Waldo Lake.
0: Yeah, in fact if you're doing a road trip, uh, combining Crater and Waldo Lake is kind of a cool experience. You had two of the most amazing lakes in, in one trip. But So the color of these lakes and rivers is largely determined by how much sediment is in them. So when you think about those huge rainstorms and floods that turn the Willamette basically that coffee mocha color, it's because it's bringing in a ton of dirt and sediment that, and the light reflects off that. But when you have the clear water, it absorbs the longest rays, it absorbs that red light. So the shorter rays, the blues and greens, are what's reflected, and that's what you see. And the deeper the clear water, the richer the blue color. And you see that around Oregon. You know, Crater Lake, again, is the best example. That very clear water, deepest lake in the United States, equals profoundly blue water. And you think about very clear rivers, like Opal Creek, Little North Fork, same deal.
1: All right, so beyond the color, which was an amazing science moment for us here. (laughs) Uh, What else is worth exploring? You know, are the islands worth visiting even if you can't camp there? Yeah, for sure.
0: I mean, the islands are really interesting. I get why you can't camp out there because everybody would want to do it. There's some like little postage stamp islands. There's some that are pretty large. One is called Rohodendron Island, Named for the flowers that bloom there during the time of year, you definitely don't want to be there. So, like, (laughs) you can get there and enjoy, like, these flowers on this island, but you're going to be getting mauled by mosquitoes at the same time. But it's cool. There's actually, like, trails that go up on the island so you can, you know, park there for the day, go up and explore. The islands are, if you only have a day trip or you're camping at the campgrounds, I would just go island hopping.
1: Hmm, cool. Cool. So anything else to know?
0: Well, if you have recreation questions, I would call the Middle Fork Ranger District of Willamette National Forest or stop there on your trip out there in Oak Ridge. It's pretty easy to find that district. A lot of information there. And while they don't have Waldo Lake specific maps, they have like district maps that pretty well map out Waldo Lake. There's a million things to know about this lake we didn't touch on because it would take hours and hours you know it was named for this famous politician and conservationist john b waldo also it was almost turned into, into a reservoir at one point and you can still find evidence of that if you look close enough it's such a well-studied lake you can read like scholarly articles about it and stuff and really go down the rabbit hole online but we'll leave you to do that
1: all right, that's about all the time we have for on this episode of the Explore Oregon podcast. Thank you, Zach, for sharing your hard-earned, you know, information after your trip. And if you enjoyed this, go ahead and check out some uh, previous episodes at statesmanjournal.com slash explore.
0: Yeah, we have quite a few of them at this point. Planning a trip to the Redwoods or to the Willows or a lot of the famous places around Oregon, we have it broken down in painstaking detail.
1: Even family trips to the coast. Indeed. It's all there. Anyway, thanks for listening.